Welcome to All Your Favorite Music is Probably, where we take a themed dive into popular songs and unearth the connections like that top you lost during the pandemic. I know, right? Uh, I'm your host, Mark Montgomery French, music culture writer, film composer, and anime enthusiast. And today's theme is all your favorite music is probably undercover protest songs. I am joined in studio with Lorian Rhodes, singer for the band Wrecked. Hi, Lorian. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Today, by the way, is the first federally mandated Juneteenth. It's a step. It, it's a step. It's a small step. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a free step, mm-hmm. but it's a step. Right. <laughs> uh, which is perfect because I want to talk about protest songs, but not the ones we know about. We know about Public Enemy Fight the Power. That's real obvious. Yep. But I want to talk about all the songs that were protesting things that we didn't know because we're American or it had a good <laughs> dance beat. We don't know. Um, so when I was a kid, I remember MTV coming out. And were not a lot of black people on MTV in the early hmm. 80s. Wonder well, why. Wonder, wonder, wonder why. And one of them was Eddie Grant. Right. Who had, not only was he black, he had dreads. It yeah. was a real thing. And he had a song called Electric Avenue. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that was. Maybe it's a dance. I don't know. Turns out... Uh, there was a big thing called the Windrush Society, and there were people who came in from uh, the Caribbean to help rebuild England uh, after the war. See now, who knew? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, come, we have jobs. It didn't mention all of the racism and <laughs> accompany right. that. Jobs in quotes. Jobs, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so there was always a lot of animosity between the police and all the Afro-Caribbeans. And there was a riot in Brixton in 81. Now, the area of Brixton was called Electric Avenue because it's one of the first areas to have lights. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's all coming together for me now. So when he sings out in the streets there is violence, okay. he's, he's, he's reporting. It's like a CNN newsflash, except yeah. it had a beat and you could dance to it. Right. <laughs> so now I'm going to play Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. Hey, we're gonna rock. 
Electric Avenue. And that was Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Comments, thoughts? It's a great song. Kind of seems like a one-hit wonder. I don't know. How many how many other songs do we know by Eddie Grant? Uh, I think he did Romancing the Stone. Oh, okay. And uh, then I think America said we're going a different direction. <laughs> I, I, I think when, when Hart came in with What About Love, America turned their eyes a different way. Uh, Looked askance. But, okay. uh, but uh, Eddie Grant's still awesome. So there. Yeah. And now another shift into Radiohead. All right. Because that's how we do segues on this podcast. We do. I like that pivot. Uh, yes. Uh, I remember when I moved to um, Oakland and coming from San Francisco, and then I had to go to Alameda to find, I think my child was playing soccer somewhere. <laughs> I'd never been to Alameda that often. Yeah. And so I put on Kid A by Radiohead for the first time, and I'm like doubly confused because the album is like, you're in a whole new world, and I'm physically in a whole new world, yeah. and I just don't know. I think I've had to pull over and go, I need to just either play something else yeah. or look at a map. Where are the guitars? I, 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 and you're looking at the map, looking for the guitars. I know. Yeah. I can see them at the studio. I thought you brought them. I yeah. thought you brought them. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, so on there is a song called Idiotech, which is kind of about climate change. It really is talking about, this like, it was 2000, right? When I think it was 2000. Out. And he's talking about Ice Age coming, Ice Age coming. And I wasn't really thinking about this being serious, but... Because it, you were so confused about the guitars. Yes, it was, <laughs> yes. Um, so I want to play a few of the songs that confused a world. <laughs> Idiotech by Radiohead.
And that was Idiotech by Radiohead. And, uh, you know, when I think about Ice Age coming, Ice Age coming, I think about last year when the sky went out and Man. turned orange. Like, yeah. even my phone couldn't take the picture properly. It's yeah. like, I can't, I'm not used to yeah. trying to change the color correct, that, possibly. That was like waking up to a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how many different masks do I need to wear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of safety procedures, I want to talk about <laughs> the safety dance by Men Without Hats. Now, again, this song seems rather simple, but it turns out the lead singer wrote it from being uh, irritated. He was actually protesting dancing. He liked to pogo. <laughs> and uh, in the clubs, when New Wave verse started coming out and dancing the New Wave songs, a bouncer told him he couldn't pogo. It would possibly injure all uh, of the yes, other the, patrons. The pogo crackdown of uh, 1982. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, he's in Canada, and they, you know, they're all very nice there, so maybe he had more, more issues there. But uh, he was really mad, and so nothing's better than writing a song about being offended and then making it to a pop hit. So I'm going to play for you Men Without Hats, Safety Dance. And that was Safety Dance by Men Without Hats. Off air, you were saying what, Lorian? <laughs> well, like, who knew that dancing could be so dangerous? I mean, it's not like Footloose where it's like, uh-oh, you might get pregnant <laughs> out there on the dance floor, you know, or protesting, you know, these moral scriptures that are being put in place. I That that movie made me not want to travel anywhere outside of my hometown. <laughs> I, I know it's a, not a normal reaction. Was it set in Indiana? I, I I know. Somewhere you don't want to go. You know, not that all Indiana's bad, my no. fans in Indiana, but you know what we're talking about with some towns and, you know. And we all know what started in Indiana. It starts with K and it ends with K. The KKK started uh, in Indiana. Yeah. You know, that's not on their uh, introductory manuals. <laughs> it's just not on the postcards. <laughs> Welcome to Indiana, home of the KKK. I, uh, I, I told somebody as a joke, you know, the clan's in the middle. Of Oakland, and they freaked out. And I said, "If you spell it, 
<laughs> yeah, that that went over poorly. <laughs> oh, clanned. Oh dear. Yes. Um, so it's June, which also means Pride Month. Yeah. So I want to talk about Pete Shelley's Homo Sapien, and Pete Shelley from the Buzzcocks did a solo album, in which he very cleverly wrote an out and proud anthem, but it's also really about homophobia. Okay. There's a whole line about, uh, if I can remember the lyrics, oh, I don't want to classify you like an animal in the zoo, but it seems good to me to know that you're homo sapien too. So he's really talking about not only glad to be gay, but also let's battle against people who want to keep us down. Now, considering he didn't say the word homosexual, it still got banned. But the BBC. I didn't it, realize it was banned. The BBC loves to ban stuff. Mm, of course. Uh, there'll be more banned songs, I think, coming up. Oh, goody. If we're lucky. Uh, so right now, I want to play for you Homo Sapien by Pete Shelley. Yeah. 
And that was Homo Sapien by Pete Shelley. And you were saying you didn't realize he was even in the Buzzcocks. I had no idea that, well, I had no idea that that's who that song was by. You know, if you'd asked me, oh, remember that song, Homo Sapiens? The connection to Buzzcocks would have been completely lost Because it sounds, it's almost like Radiohead losing the guitar. (laughs) (laughs) It almost is. So was that before or after the Buzzcocks? So he, the Buzzcocks was in the 70s, and before he joined the Buzzcocks, he was really into uh, synths and a lot of post-craft work kind of things. And so when he went solo, he went back to that sound. So it was his original sound, but not to us because nobody had heard it. I see. Okay. So it's a great tune. And it was perfect in time for the lovely early 80s new wave stuff. So Absolutely. It was cool. And now a sad song. I want to talk about the Cranberry Zombie. Mm. And believe it or not, she's Irish. Kato Rudin's Irish. So yeah. is the band. And there's a relationship to the Troubles that... I had to read about because I didn't live there. Right. And the song Zombies specifically about a bombing where two young children were killed. Mm-hmm. And she was so unhappy, she wrote a song and actually made the song the heaviest song the Cranberries had done up to that point. As Radiohead turned down the guitars, they turned them way yeah. up and real dirge-like. So I want to play for you the Cranberries' Zombie.
and that was Zombie by the Cranberries. Yeah, such a great song. And it's kind of amazing that we as Americans, like, don't know more about what was happening in Ireland at that time, because... Uh, it seems like it's so long ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. And it was happening in real time as we were growing up. People were getting bombed. People were getting, you know, uh, shot down in the streets. Uh, Very scary, very intense stuff. I recently read a book called Say Nothing that came out uh, about that whole time. Excellent book about the troubles that helps to elucidate what was going on. Because so many Americans have no idea, like, what? Who's the Catholic? Who's Who's the Protestant? And why is this such a big deal? But uh, much of it was based on just class warfare and colonialism. And as a black guy growing up, my thought was, wait, they're both white. Why are they fighting? Right. Could not right. wrap my head yeah. around I, I have that. an Italian friend who's like, in Europe, all the fighting is about uh, class issues. In America, it's always about race. And I said, to my understanding, because white Americans years ago put all black people into one substrata soci- sociologically. And it's taken us, you know, 12 generations to, for us to get podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's Juneteenth and you've got your own pod. Oh my Woo! gosh. This is literally my digital 40 acres and a mule. So I'm a... And there's no better way to spend Juneteenth than with a white chick. So uh, I mean, thank you. Yes. Thank, thank, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, with a perfect segue, believe it or not, into my next song. Bruce Hornsby and the range, The Way It Is. You know this song. It's it's kind of mellow. Light rock? It's, it, it's you know, you put it on and you have a, a light beer, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of nod out. But there have, but there is a reason why Tupac looped it and E40 looped it and Polo G looped it. And that is why I, being the staunch critic of all things cheesy light rock, can now accept Bruce Hornsby for what it is. If it's good enough for E40, it's good enough for me. Absolutely. Well, one of the things about this song that it talks about in 1964, it talks specifically about or references two laws that Lyndon Johnson passed. One, for his war on poverty, he actually passed the Economic Opportunity Act. So when Bruce says to give those who ain't got a little more, he's talking about the passage of that act and his war on poverty. He also talks about the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and mm-hmm. he actually quotes part of that as well. So there's a lot really deep going on in this Hats song. Off to Bruce Hornby. That he's stuck into a mellow, almost no yacht rock. Yeah. And so now you're going to hear the dope, almost crazily <laughs> hardcore sounds of Bruce Hornsby and the Range, the way it is. Brace yourselves.
And that was Bruce Hornsby in the range, the way it is, and hats off to him for sticking in something that deep into a song that seems so light. Milk toast, if you will. <laughs> it's almost like um, Schoolhouse Rock for like dudes who drive Subarus, you know? Uh, <laughs> Chip off the block. You know, it was funny. I remember one time my, my kid, and this happened to you when they learned the, um, the Constitution, and then I, my wife, started singing the preamble because we all learned it from Schoolhouse Rock and we're singing it like big voice. Yeah. <laughs> and all the kids are like, wait, you gotta, do, you can't just, do, how's it going? We again? the people in, in order to form, form a more perfect, perfect union. union. Yeah. And all the, the kids were like going, <laughs> What's happened to it, my parents? It was a great way to learn stuff. I'm it, just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. They keep it going. Can you explain the last tax laws? Right. In a song? Yes. Yeah, you know what? You probably <laughs> wouldn't have so many white people in red states voting against their interests if we could distill some of this hundreds of pages worth of, you know, gobbledygook into a simple song. We're just going to wrap it to a beat. That, that's probably why our generation loved Hamilton. We're used to hearing about the founding fathers with music. That's right. You know, it, it's... Uh, Bring that beat back. Right? Speaking of beats, I want to talk about Rock the Casbah by The Clash. Now... Epic. The Clash were <laughs> unsubtle about their political views, right. right? It's like, how many songs about, you know, Leave Me Alone and White Riot, and um, right. they were purely anti-fascist. Yeah. And so this song is really about the censorship that happened in Iran after the Shah took over in 79. Right. Because he kicked out all Western music. He right. literally said Western music was worse than opium. <laughs> hmm, now, <I> mean, <laughs> there are some bands, yeah. I won't say on air, in which of. he's totally correct, but all of it, the yeah. entire canon, seems, seems a, a little, little harsh. harsh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, of course, the band wrote a song about it. Mm -hmm. And I'll play it for you now. It is Rock the Casbah by The Clash. Generate the 
was Rock the Casbah by The Clash. And it's funny that a not subtle, really, anti-censorship song was the biggest hit in America they ever had by far. Right. I'm sure it was not the plan. Let's talk about um, uh, anti-censorship, put a beat to it. Americans will, please, please, can we have more? Yeah, what made that song such a big hit and not some of their other tracks? I mean, like Train in Vain was an amazing song as well. Uh, One of the problems, I I think, comes down to, uh, and you as a musician, by the way, once again mentioned, she's from the band Wrecked, R-E-Q apostrophe D. They have a new, what's the new album called? The new... Pulling Up Floorboards. Yes. And did I see the instrumental version out? There might be. <laughs> I, I, I'm Try not, it again. I'm not exactly the brains behind the project. You may have noticed. I just uh, show up, do my thing, kind of a one-trick pony. But we'll have to talk to Sluggo about that. All right, Sluggo Kali, the ringleader uh, and toreador of Wrecked. <laughs> R-E-Q right. apostrophe D. That's right. Not wrecked or required, but could be required. Could be required. We, we consider it required listening. <laughs> oh, nice. I will say, though, R-E-Q apostrophe D fits nicer on an album cover yeah. when it shrunk to the size of a Spotify thumbtack. Exactly. Yeah. Thumbtack? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what, yeah. The image you, you click on that's smaller than my that thumb. Thing, yes. That thing. Required comes out nice and big. Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons why The Clash never popped in America was why a bunch of other cool bands out of England didn't pop in America is because you have to get through who was running radio and who was in charge of the big labels. And they're guys in satin jackets with bad taste. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I think it's the book Hitman by Frederick Dannon. It's a great book on the history of uh, payola in America. Uh-huh. And I believe they said, try to get this correct, that... The rep for The Clash in America also was the rep for Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> and Ario Speedwagon gave him a Rolex for Christmas, and that's why High Fidelity took off and not Sandinista. <laughs> oh, no. But that tracks, to right? their credit, I mean, <laughs> High Fidelity has got, it's packing a lot of hits. Yeah, and, and, and you know, God bless Ario Speedwagon. They had like something like eight albums previously. And I mean, they really. San, Sandinista is a harder, It's a, there's no real standout. Like, what are the big songs? Police on My Back from Sandinista? I think also it was a timing thing. I mean, what year did, <laughs> By the way, what year did Combat Rock come out? Who wrote Police on My Back? Uh, some reggae dude. Eddie Grant. There we go. <laughs> I didn't have to travel far for that one. <laughs> Close but no cigar. Let me guess, he was black. Oh, yes, that was Eddie Grant. Yeah. It was a double record. It was a triple record that was sold at a double record price one year after Oh, London, London Calling. Yes. Yeah. Hello. So, yeah, it was a lot, but still, um, there's so much... Excellent music coming out of London at that time that unless you were near a large college radio station, you didn't hear. And even if they were on an American label, you had that situation where they're like, they're going to play the American stuff first because they don't want to be challenged. Yeah, that's true. And the only thing that really broke that in my lifetime, two things broke that one was MTV. Yes. Where all of a sudden you had Duran Duran popping off in the middle of America without promotion from the label. And the second is the Internet. Yeah. In which all of a sudden, I mean, right now, anytime you or I or any listener plays a song on YouTube, that stream gets counted toward the Billboard charts. Oh, it does? And, yes. I had no idea. So that's why you can see, and it's also Spotify, also all the streamers, which is why you have things like hit album comes out, like like Killer Swift's last album, and all the songs charted Hot 100 because they all had so many streams oh. that first week. So we are controlling in a major way, how music is heard uh, way beyond 
what we had when we were kids. Yeah, interesting. Uh, also interesting to me about the album Combat Rock is that Know Your Rights was the first single, not Rock the Casbah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What was that? Know Your Rights is a great song, too. But, I mean, things in America were more political in 1981, 1982 also. I mean, Ronald Reagan. Lots of punk rockers were writing about, you know, how horrible Reaganomics were and anti-Thatcher stuff. Oh, my sort God. Sort of tied into that. You just gave me a segue into my next song. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Reagan, there was a song by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. You remember them. They wanted you to relax a lot. Relax. And they have a song called Two Tribes. And Two Tribes was really about America and Russia. Those were the tribes. And the line in the song about... Um, uh, I buy shirts from from Van Heusen, which was a shirt line that Ronald Reagan used to do ads for. Oh, how funny. uh, Between being in uh, B-movies and running America. (laughs) Um, And so the song gets kind of deep because musically, it's an American funk song. And it gets to the bridge and there's like a Russian ballet thing going toward the middle of it. So the cleverness in trying to talk about the two tribes is deeper than you would think be coming from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. So I'm going to play Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Two Tribes. Have a listen. The air attack warning sounds like this is the song. Take cover. 
That was Frankie Goes to Hollywood with Two Tribes. And uh, we're discussing off air the the Rimsky-Korsakovness of that <laughs> yeah. section. Yeah, the Russian dance version, the Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky remix. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, so again, thank you for being on my podcast, Lorian. So much fun. Of course. What is, for the listeners at home, the name of your most recent album as a singer for the band called Wrecked, R-E-Q apostrophe D? Yeah, the new album is called The Ghost of Floorboards. Yes, it is the instrumental version of Pulling Up Floorboards. So... So one could take your album and the Jay-Z Black album acapella and just do a remix. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get our Russian friends in to do the dance remix, Ruski style. That is perfect. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to end this broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our show. Come back next week where we will unveil another fun tune. Original music for this podcast is by Spiky Blimp. Follow me on Instagram and, and Twitter as Mr. French. That's M-R-F-R-3-N-C-H. It would have been an E, but that was taken by somebody else. So it's M-R-F-R-3-N-C-H. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. Originally broadcast on KACRLP Alameda. Underwritten by My Milligram a micro-doser media brand with a newsletter and website featuring reviews of low-dose and high-quality cannabis products made in California. Learn more at mymilligram.com and on Instagram at mymilligram. <laughs>